Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. This week on the panel we have me, Sasha Wolf. I'm alone today. But I have a special guest and that is Tristan Slaughter. So Tristan, why don't you tell the audience why you're here and what we are going to talk about? Talk about. I'm here because we recently, the we, the Open Telemetry Project, released an Erlang and Elixir 1.0 of their API and SDK. Open Telemetry is a merger of two projects, Open Tracing and Open Census. Open Census I was involved with a number of years before the merger. So, and now it's been about two or three years that I've been involved with Open Telemetry, and it's the focus of my work at, at Splunk. And I've been involved with with Erlang for oh, geez, nineteen years or something like that now. Oh boy, <laughs> nine? Good gosh, I wasn't even in the industry back then. <laughs> I was still going to school. I'm getting old. Yeah, wow. So yeah, uh, yeah. I, the main focus and why I was asked to be on was the Open Telemetry release of Erlang and Elixir. Yes, indeed. That, that, that is the focus of the day. Hey, folks. This is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com/podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, DevChat.tv to Top End Devs, but What I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv, and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. But I mean, you just said, okay, you've been with Erlang for 19 years now <laughs> with Open Census for like how long, more long? I mean, how long that? Because I, I actually still remember when Open Census and Open Tracing were two different things. Like I, I, I did, I'm not even sure what we exactly ended up using, but like when, when back on the project a few years ago, I was like looking at the different possible solutions for like the beam, right? And then I definitely stumbled across those two different things. Yeah. So why don't they give us a bit of a gist, like a history there, like how, how you ended up doing what you're doing? <laughs> yeah, so I got I don't know how long it's been with Open Census, uh, over five years probably, that I got started with that because I was at a small startup and mm-hmm. we, we ended up moving to Google Cloud and I was looking at observability options and Google didn't, there was some stuff that I was trying to talk to them about supporting to get decent Erlang support in uh to even work with open tracing because I was going to do some uh, open tracing implementation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I ended up, they ended up getting me on a call with people who were working on open census. And this was before it was public. So, Oh, okay. Exciting. Yeah. So I started out talking with them about what their, their goals were and it fit pretty well because one of the issues with open tra- tracing was it's pretty lax on actual spec details and so all the vendors are pretty different and so things don't work across vendors very well and that's a big problem when mm-hmm. you're not supported by vendors like Erlang and Elixir usually aren't and so I got on that project right then before 
uh, it launched. And after having been working on that forever, when the tracing and census projects decided to merge, they talked to me about coming on to continue doing what I was doing with the Erlang and Elixir. Nice, nice, very exciting. Um, I mean, I'm not sure that everybody who listens to this podcast is familiar with what tracing actually is. So why don't you give us a short introduction to that? Yeah, and first should say that uh, one of the differences with census and open tracing was open census encapsulated metrics and logging as well. And open tracing mm -hmm. totally focused on tracing. So, And tracing is, I mean, it's a lot like your local tracing if you're looking at the function calls that are happening in, in the beam, but it's usually added in specific places where you want what, what they call spans, which are the lowest level of a trace. And they're meant to encapsulate some operation. And the key point for tracing is for open tracing, open census, open telemetry is that this is distributed tracing. So the context, what the operation the current span is when you're saying making an HTTP request to a server is carried along. And so uh, another span, because there's a parent-child relationship there of these operations, is carried along with it and you create a new child, even though you're on now a different different node. And so being able to build that, uh, that graph of relationships and be able to pinpoint where things are going wrong, where you're slowness is happening by looking at a full distributed system instead of each each uh, each one individually. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely can relate to that. I I would maybe add that the nice thing about especially when you like combine all of that, right? Also like metrics and logging, and then you could also have logs attached to particular spans. But how this like maybe looks at at the end of the day is is that you really have this graph where you can see, okay, like basically you have like horizontal lines, those are the spans and they are They, they can if you if you render them visually, and then you can see okay spans below that they are child spans or parent spans, and they can really see what are the different things doing at every point and how long do they take. And just to give you maybe our listeners and you like an example where, where I saw that in action, it was super useful. We I used to work on an event source system, so we're very event driven, and then we also added span information and span IDs as metadata to each event, and then we could also see okay which actions were triggered from events down the pipeline, even in a completely different part of the system, and still could then see the relationships and the causes and effects. And that was insanely useful and something misbehaved. <laughs> so yeah, I, I just, if anybody who's not familiar with that thing yet, I, you, you really ought to check it out because I feel it, it, it logs and like massage logs and searchable logs are great, but there's combining all of those different uh, observability tools together, they, they, that, that's just a whole new level of understanding a system in depth. Yeah, and open telemetry because it combines all those into a single spec, is really able to cross those boundaries even better than because services, vendors like Datadog and Splunk and others uh, certainly provide those that functionality on top of what they call open tracing, but it's ad hoc and on their end usually. But open telemetry provide, uh, actually defines stuff like exemplars, which are traces or logs that are parts of metrics. So the metrics themselves, when you're looking at metrics, you can click and see, oh, this goes along with this trace that was happening when this metric was recorded. Nice. Like that. Nice. So what is then like the usually the usual 
setup you would run this with? Because, I mean, of course, you have libraries and, and different implementations in different languages which follow that spec, but that needs to flow somewhere at some point to be usable, right? So, so how would usually, in your experience, look as might a setup look like? For example, if I have like a Beam application, be it Elixir or, or Erlang, doesn't really matter, right? But I have it instrumented. I, I, I have the whole Open Telemetry things integrated. I'm using spans. I'm using. I'm set, uh, adding logs to those. Having metrics might measure, and then they you take them and and do what? <laughs> as in, where do you? Where would you ship them? Where, where do you yeah, for example, for example, just to give people like an idea about how this might work sure. in real life, you know. Well, the grit, the if you're getting started and you just want to see, do I think this is going to add value to <laughs> to me? A great place just to start is Zipkin and Jaeger, and those can you can just quickly run them locally, throw up Docker Compose, and have those visualizing your spans for you. But that doesn't give you you know a complete picture because. The, there's no metrics, there's no logs. Oh, well, I first should mention that with the OpenTelemetry collector, which is a separate process that ingests OpenTelemetry protocol, because we have a protocol for traces, metrics, and, and logs, yet another protocol, yet another spec, everything. And it... <laughs> it's protocols all the way down. Specs <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> and and the, the collector has a l- dozens and dozens of supported exporters so you can if you set up the collector to accept your traces metrics and logs you can then ship them to many different vendors to try them all out so you got honeycomb lightstep splunk datadog and use their free trials and (laughs) see how it all meshes together Uh, locally i think i haven't tried this myself but i know that these days grafana and prometheus they have their Tempo and Loki and I think wait, is that just, yeah Grafana Tempo Loki for metrics traces and logs. I don't know how well tied together all those are when ingesting open telemetry, but it's a possibility that those are a great option for running in Docker Compose and seeing that seeing what you gain from combining all those into a single uh, protocol and spec. There, there was somebody the other day asking uh, who has this very setup or is attempting this very setup in Docker Compose in the Elixir Slack open telemetry channel. So uh, mm-hmm. if he is interested in that, they could pop in there and scroll up and hopefully the history hasn't been lost yet. Interesting. Yeah, okay. I've, when, when I actually did some research on open telemetry a while back, I initially I found this distinction between like the collector and the spec for like actually collecting and like gathering those things i found i I found that confusing at first but at some point it made click (laughs) but it was a bit was a bit hard to wrap my head around okay wait oh wait that's a completely different thing i also need to which is responsible of collecting those things and so but yeah i think one question which definitely was in my head when i first heard about the project and i would assume is also in the heads of some of our listeners is there is no relation between telemetry and open telemetry, right? That is correct. Telemetry picked the name before open telemetry picked the name. And of course, I didn't have veto power, so I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't say, hey, this new library in Elixir in Erlang is using telemetry name. That's going to be confusing over here to uh, stop it. But I also thought it was a pretty good name. But yeah, that's it, very, uh, that is certainly confusing. They do telemetry there. We have. In open telemetry, 
handlers for taking telemetry events and creating spans and metrics, or not metrics yet, but spans. So metrics to come. So they'll work together, but yet they're completely separate projects and with different goals. Yeah, yeah, that, that was, like I said, that was a very confusing moment for me. <laughs> I mean, very naming is important, right? <laughs> yeah, very confusing for people. <laughs> so hopefully this clears, at least it, it clears it up for some people. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so can, can maybe... Because like we invited you for based on like a release of like Open Telemetry for Erlang, Elixir, JavaScript, and Ruby in like version one point can you give me the gist of what that means? Like maybe for you personally also, but also like for the project as a whole, right? I mean, for I mean the main thing that one point meant to signify is stability in the API. So mm-hmm. for me, it means kind of handcuffs, but. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Can't ch- change, or if I change stuff, I have to leave backwards compatibility. And we're given, I don't remember the exact number, so I don't really want to say a number, but in the years, in year to years of what we're supporting. So if you adopt open telemetry, Erling and Elixir, and you want to keep using the same version, uh, we or the same code instrumented, uh, we're not going to break it. Is We have, for API usage, uh, for some underlying SDK stuff, we, if you're writing a custom exporter, something to send spans to a specific custom backend you have, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. there has been some changes there recently. But in the API, if you implement the instrument in your application, we're guaranteeing to the best of our ability that it's not going to break on you. Yeah, that makes sense. And the project as a whole has that as guiding principle to have this stability uh, especially, I mean, it's since it's big name companies, you know, involved in using this, they do not want. It. And if you, if you ever wanted to get involved with the project, you could check out the Open Telemetry website and get find the special interest group SIGs and uh, join some of them. And it's always a long discussion when API changes or something are proposed in the spec and of how do we make this backwards compatible. It's taken very seriously yeah i mean i think it make, makes sense with process of that size and especially if you already have a significant adoption then yeah i mean what we're asking people to do with it put it into their not only their projects but their libraries and all this and i know in elixir telemetry is really taken off so it's probably not we're probably not going to see open telemetry instrumented libraries at, at least anytime soon and it's still going to rely on middlewares and all that but i'm hoping that uh, if we show the stability that people fear it won't have. I mean, a couple few years ago, I was telling people to adopt open census and now I'm telling them to adopt open telemetry so I can understand <laughs> the, the fear. But uh, but open census, of course, is still working. But I mean, it's not adding new features or anything like that, but going to provide the stability. I'm, I'm actually curious. I mean, we've not talked about open telemetry a whole bit. But you also said earlier, right, you were involved with Open Census and you went through the whole merger, right? So, so, so how was this? Because, I mean, those were two different projects. Were they already collaborating before that? Or how do I imagine, how do I have to imagine like two big projects like this coming together and creating something new that sounds challenging? Yeah, I was surprised. I was not involved in the initial like discussions, which I haven't, I've never asked. I have my guesses of who was, you know, directly involved. And 
I was surprised when I did hop on when stuff uh, started becoming more solidified so they knew that it was actually moving forward, just how much they had ag- agreed that this was going to be the direction. And because, yeah, all the people who are involved with open tracing were, because to me that we were adopting more of open census than we were open tracing, but they they felt it was the, the right direction and they were all mm-hmm. on board. It, see, I, I don't know what happened before I got I got truly involved, but uh, it seemed to have been decently smooth. And then, like in, in the time after that, after that that merger was like official, let's say that, like, was there a lot of busy work to create something new, or like, how do I have to yeah. imagine this? Yeah, I mean, I said, uh, as I said, I've been working on this for what three years, and that's yeah. and the one of. Erling and Elixir was released a couple months ago or something. Yeah, fair enough, I guess. <laughs> the, and there's still a immense amount of work to go. And I've been involved a little here. There I had paternity leave at one point in like the middle of all this, so I got disconnected for a while. But the for a few months, the but doing the tracing spec, and they were we were trying to get a metric spec at the same time, and it was just too much work. Because just nailing out the differences in tracing was uh, quite an ordeal. I could tell mm-hmm. from the people with different opinions and different backgrounds and different uh, different experiences in the industry. And but I, I think it came out really great. Uh, I've been surprised at times, and at times I've seen things with the implementation where I'll say, "I don't know if this makes sense when I'm doing it in Erlang this way," and then I'll come back. Rethink it for a bit, and I realize ah, uh, they they did they thought this out pretty well, and it uh, it protects the API from <laughs> potential future you know things like that of being able to change things in the future or not change things. So it, it took a long time to to develop the spec, but uh, I think the time was worth it, and like the metrics are still not completely done, though there are I think Python and .NET have what they stable release of metrics. Most like most high level stuff is done on the, the metric side, but there's still some questions around like exponential histograms are still being worked out, things like that. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance. I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Pretty cool. Like I gotta say, like uh, it's definitely one of these projects I've, I've observed from afar, but I never had the pleasure of like looking into the inner doings of it, you know? <laughs> so how has it been for you personally? I mean, I'm, as somebody who has been involved with a project that long, and especially from, from like this one technology perspective, right, Erlang, is this, Something you expect to be also now when you hit 1.0, right? Where you said earlier, you, you kind of feel like you now have handcuffs. 
this is something you, you expect to be doing in the long run, like like helping it evolve? Uh, or is, is that sound something where also you as a person might say, okay, I got it here, now it's time for something new. I mean, you've been with Erling for, what did, what did you say, 19 years, right? Yeah, bro, I'm 37. I'm pretty sure I started when I was 18 or 19. So yeah, but somewhere in there. <laughs> but yeah, I, in it for the long haul, I find the topic interesting and Splunk is gracious enough to pay me to do this stuff. So. <laughs> so how does that work? I mean, like you said, it's a startup, right? What's that? You said you said Splunk is a startup, right? No, no. Uh, the startup was when I started working on Open Census. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, you're right. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, Splunk is like thirty thousand people or something like that. Company they got their name in the industry with logs many many years ago when i was at heroku we were using splunk and it was really great okay. really amazing for log search which okay um, for anybody's interested i'm adding a link we'll be adding a link to the show no, in the show notes so if you want to check out splunk you can go can go there yeah yeah and a lot of people don't realize that we have an apm offering for span straight metrics and all that i think it's just a logs company but not anymore and they're major backers number one contributor of to open telemetry i mean that's how i got my job at splunk was because of my work in open telemetry while i was at at that time i was at postmates and i wanted they got bought by uber so i was looking for a job and yeah spoke to people at, at working on in the project at Splunk and yeah, hired me on. And yeah, so there I spend basically 50% of my time on my maintainer duties because I'm a maintainer in open telemetry. So I get to work on Erling and Elixir side and then 50% on what actually profits Splunk because they probably had like a, they certainly have Erling or Elixir users, but they don't really know it because they're not big enough or they're big enough but their elixir use is compartmentalized in the company so it's not their main technology so it's not as known so it would be great to change that uh, to have more <laughs> there have been there's probably potential customers out there i'm sure you know, like when we were working at heroku we are all of our stuff from the erlang nodes was going to splunk but it's not like they knew that it was Erlang. It's just another ingester. They considered Heroku, I'm sure, a Ruby company. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So now, so you said you're in for the long haul, right? And now that this thing has it 1.0, but yeah, handcuffs. But what, what would you like to, to, to see next? I mean, sure. I'm aware that, of course, you're not that in the, the position to call the shots right but still like i mean if if you had a magic wand right like where would you like to see open telemetry evolve into well i should mention the so for for only elixir and those other languages in the blog post like ruby 1.0 is only for tracing so i'm still working on how can you yeah, still working on metrics still working on logs and so yeah there's still a lot lot to do and aside from that within tracing there's still a lot to do around user the user experience automatically collecting things like uh, uh, in open telemetry, we call them resources, which are information about the system that's running, what it's running on. So like if it's on Kubernetes, it would have uh, a pod name and uh, the IP and maybe the service it's in. Uh, that kind of stuff is automatically attached to uh, your, your span. Well, yeah, your span's information. And mm -hmm. we, we don't have any of that yet. 
in early in Elixir, it's not automatically detected. And I mean, you got to do this for AWS, Google, all of them. So there's still a lot of work there. Also, if anybody's listening and is interested in uh, in getting involved with some simple tasks, those kind of they're simple enough. They they're not just uh, copy paste uh, attributes because you have to you do have to read the APIs of Kubernetes, AWS, GCP, but Simple enough tasks. Uh, if anybody wants to get involved, those are good ones. Where, where would they? Where would they check it out? So where would they go to if, if somebody wanted to be involved? Yeah, GitHub's uh, GitHub Open Telemetry is the organization, and then we have Open Telemetry Erlang is the main repo. And there's issues for stuff like resource detectors, and then there's also uh, Open Telemetry Erlang Contrib. And that's where integrations with like Phoenix and Ecto are. And there's plenty of work to be done there too. I mean, those are, those work. So if, if you decide to give OpenTelemetry a try, you'll get a lot of mileage out of those integrations, but there's certainly work to be done. Uh, I know in live view, there's still discussions in there. I'm not much of an Elixir person, so I don't pay that much attention to exactly where they're at with uh, stuff like live view integration, but the, I know there's there's still work to go. Yeah, fair enough. Can't expect any, everybody to see the light that is Elixir. No, I'm just pulling on <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm, I'm not, not going to address an old Erlang death for that. <laughs> Fear change. The the uh, what was it? Oh, and yeah, that reminds me of the within Erlang itself. There's a lot of interesting uh, work that can be done around integrating with open telemetry because like i mentioned uh one of the key things with distributed tracing is you pass this context from one node to another Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we're talking between nodes all the time but it's not http it's the distributed erlang so how do we do that uh and how do we do it in a way that right now it's the user's responsibility they have to create copy out of the process dictionary into a variable and then pass it as a part of the message and it would be great to streamline all that. And so that's something we've been looking at for years now, talking with the OTP team as well of how, how to do that. Because one cool thing listeners might, might not have heard of, some of you would, is seek trace, S-E-Q underscore trace in the beam. And that actually is distributed tracing built into the beam. It's been there forever. Oh, wow. Yeah, using Lamport clocks uh, to to get the order of uh, of things, and it's actually it will pass context in messages for you without you having to do anything besides set the context in the token, and so you can already in Beam uh, secretly pass context between nodes, between processes, and I mean it, it's almost perfect, but it. Because of the way it's built, you can only have one. So if we say mm. took that over, you wouldn't be able to do live seek trace investigations, and we don't want to break that. The same with general URL tracer. There's some issues there around. You can only have one. I'd like to see that have the ability that you can add trace points that create spans and open telemetry on a running system eventually. That because I think if if we do it in such a way that it's you know not a core feature, but something you can turn on when you're debugging, you can add to spans. That wouldn't interfere with the core use case of Erlang's tracer. 
you'd still be able to use it for all your other uh, tracing needs. But with SeekTrace, the we got originally you could only have an integer in its context. It was just a single word of memory that you could have, and that got updated a couple of TPs ago because we were working with the OTP team to say you could have any term. So technically, we can put the context in there uh, and automatically ship it uh, to the other process, other node. But yeah, there's still those questions around it, and so yeah, I'm excited about the, the future there, figuring out how do we how do we ad- really adapt this stuff to what Beam already provides you and make it even better than what all the other languages have so we can show our advantages even within this space. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. I, I haven't even considered that. I, I still remember like when we initially added like tracing and, and, and all those capabilities into an application I mentioned at the beginning, <laughs> we kind of had the same situation like okay how do we pass this information through the system without polluting because i mean there was a discussion do you want to add this additional argument to each function but that felt really dirty <laughs> because it's like it's this cross-cutting concern right like it's orthogonal to your application logic it doesn't really belong there so we ended up using the process dictionary which was still felt hacky but uh, it's better than nothing. It's for the process dictionary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, the, I mean, it worked out nice enough at the end. Um, but it was, it, it, it was always something where, where I was sitting at and like, it would be so nice if there was something more here, something which is like deliberately designed for, for kind of that kind of information. So yeah, def- very exciting to, to see where, what the OTP team and like all of those collaboration potentially can bring us in the future. I feel, I mean, like, we already talked about telemetry, right? Not being open telemetry, but I feel there is a lot of motion in the beam world around, okay, how can we make things observable? How can we figure out how the system behaves at runtime? Mm-hmm. And all of there's also a lot of wisdom in what um, the the Erlang community, to be honest, has been doing for literally decades now. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one, like the main thing that eventually sold me on Erlang. Mm-hmm. I started out as a student and there was... A lot of intriguing stuff about it, but it, it, once I got into industry, what really sold me was the observability. Was that I could, yeah. like, when I if I ever have to touch in production a system written in anything else, like Go, I don't want to do. There's no, you can't hop on a shell and uh, safely take a look at what's actually going on. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's. There's not like a secret superpower, and I, I always tend to say that that the beam is just a piece of technology which is deeply pragmatic, deeply pragmatic in all the in all the good sense, <laughs> yep. and that that's part of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was written for industry, and it shows. Uh, it was written for getting things done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, maybe to come back to a question like what, what where do you expect to see open telemetry go in the future i mean like maybe you already know some things that might be happening if you're willing to share that if not fair enough right but but what is like the, the next thing the community and the uh, yeah, the beam world can expect to see you already said like logs and metrics are still being worked on so probably movement in that space right but yeah pretty much all focus is on logs metrics and uh, semantic conventions which Semantic conventions are what will allow uh, like the same spans and logs and metrics across vendors to be utilized the same way. So it adds mm-hmm. specific conventions around like how you set an HTTP status code on a span, how you set the response size, what 
term you actually use there. So it's parsed the same way by every vendor. And so aside from all the work going into metrics and logs, uh, that kind of stuff, and once it's adopted by uh, the vendors, we'll really see the improvements, I hope, in just the experience for Erlang and Elixir developers if they start trying these vendors because things will just work where before they would have to kind of hack around depending on which vendor they were using mm-hmm. to change their certain things to, to actually work for them. And hopefully it'll just, just work. And also with like this abstraction layer of, of having open telemetry and open telemetry collector, right, where you already said earlier that you might have exporters, I can definitely see the the value there from from being also able, I mean, as you said in the beginning, to try out things, right? And if it then really just works, no, that, that's like, I don't know, like, I mean, I, I have a soft spot for all topics of observability, and that's like, oh boy, I'm blushing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, the collector is really nice because the vendors are writing their, their exporters from it, and so it's a centralized place where, because there is still some, at this time, changes that need to be made in order for their backends to understand the open telemetry stuff. So that all gets done there. You don't have to re-implement it in every language or anything you send with the open telemetry protocol to the collector and the Datadog uh, processor does what it needs to do to export it to Datadog and Mm -hmm. it works. It makes a whole lot of sense for me. But they are like, like Splunk accepts open telemetry directly. I think, yeah, and Honeycomb, uh, Lightstep, I'm fairly sure I haven't used, I don't think, yeah, yeah, Lightstep, Honeycomb, Splunk, we all accept uh, open telemetry directly instead. You don't even have to go through the collector, though. I still recommend, you know, setting up the collector because it's useful for debugging, too. Makes sense. Okay, Tristan, um, is there anything you would like to add, anything you would like to to let the audience know? Because otherwise, I feel if we've painted a complete enough picture, right? So we could transition to picks, but anything else you would like to let a lot of people know out there? I, I think we fairly well covered everything. I you know, just want to get across the please take a look and help out if you're interested in this yeah. area because we need, we need a lot of help, especially uh, even just reviewers and stuff to uh, keep this stuff pushing along because there's a lot of changes coming in from uh, the community in Contrib or improving the integrations with stuff like Phoenix and, but there's only so much time to review it. So mm. we need all the help we can get. Yeah, that's always the thing with like approaches like this, especially open source, right? Like there, there's never enough people to get all the things done you would like to see get mm-hmm. done. So if people want to reach out and get in touch with you personally, Tristan, how, how would they do that? I guess what uh, I'm on Elixir Slack, so you can just look for Tristan and on, on GitHub, you'll see me, my name, T. Slaughter, under many, many of the open telemetry commits on the Erlang repo, so they can find me there and message me wherever you want. Okay, then I'd say we can transition to the fun part of a podcast. <laughs> Picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. So do you have any picks for us, Tristan, or should I start? What do you prefer? You can start. Okay. I already kind of blew, blew my what I had earlier because we did a double recording earlier. So my, I'm just going to do some fun picks this time around. 
And I'm going to pick a TV series I've recently started watching. It's on Amazon Prime and it's called Invincible. And it's a comic TV series, like it's based on a comic. And it's basically superheroes, like a traditional superhero story. And I don't really want to spoil anything, but um, I want to say this, like the very first episode is like, okay, there's this guy, his dad is like basically Superman. He doesn't have his powers yet. And during the first episode, he gets his powers. And then something happens at the end of the first episode where you are left like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Which where the series plays with the viewer's expectations. Let's say that. And so if, if you are into superheroes at all and, and, and I don't have any problems with like uh, animation, then check it out. Watch the first episode. Watch it till the end. And then you can make judgment whether or not this is for you. <laughs> so Invincible is my pick for this week. Nice. I'll have to check that out. My pick since, uh, well, I only saw that you were doing the picks to today. And the top thing on my mind, uh, because I've been using it the past few days on the Open Telemetry Project, is Gradualizer. Mm. And there's a there's an Elixir version of it that uses it, which I almost want to say is named Granite, but I'm probably wrong. I should probably pull that up. But Gradualizer has been amazing. Uh, there's rough edges, so it, it, if you try it out and run into things, definitely let them know. They're very, very responsive, very helpful, and it just improves it for everybody. But because uh, I dialyzer all my projects, and that helps with a lot of stuff. But gradualizer cut so much, <laughs> so many things that were wrong. Uh, it, it's and it's so fast like when you're used to dialyzer, which takes forever. And the gradualizer just spits everything out. And I thought something was wrong. It was so fast. <laughs> it was like, did, it actually, <laughs> did it actually do anything? Yeah. So that's that, that's my big pick. Anybody who's been on the fence about checking it out, uh, do so. To, I, to be honest, I was under the impression that the project stalled. But apparently I'm wrong. It might have at one point, but it seems to be back on. And I think it might even be, I don't know why I think this or what I saw, but it feels like Erlang Solutions might be involved with the Elixir version. So uh, they might have, that might have picked it back up. But yeah, the, uh, Interest. yeah, the maintainers have definitely been responsive. Uh, I already got a patch in uh, to make some stuff easier with the Rebar 3 plugin. And I'll probably do some more on the Rebar 3 plugin because... I wrote Rebar 3, so the co-creator of it <laughs> that helps try to help. That, that's super interesting. I was actually at the Beam Stockholm conference where it basically was initially announced as like also with the kind of more academic approach, right? Where he laid out his reasoning about okay, what what like uh, dialyzer is doing is success typing, right? And what we are doing is like really adding this gradual type system, and we need to redefine a little bit what like the, the primitives do mean. And like, yeah, this whole talk about that, and that. So it's, I was super excited for it back then because it made a whole lot of sense for me. And then I, I a few, I think like a year back, I, I did, I, I was under the impression that the development halted. But so, so great to see it's, it's still alive and kicking because I definitely think there's a lot of, a lot of value to be to be gained from an approach like that. Yes, I've already gained a lot of value from it. And I know Fred Haber, he gradualized one of his projects recently. He said it was awesome and caught caught a number of things. And so it's good. It's getting there. Uh, I should also admit the Gleam is another thing people should check out if they want 
full-on static typing because uh, that's good. That's, yeah. That's pumping along. You can also go back a few episodes and then we interview. <laughs> interview. Uh, interview. Nice. <laughs> Louis Billfold. So like he has been on the show twice now. So like, well, the last time he was here, we talked about his TypeSafe implementation of OTP actors, which was also pretty cool. Oh, very cool. I got to listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Then yeah, it was, was a pleasure having you, Tristan. Thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. And you, I hope you all enjoyed listening to us rambling about uh, open tracing and tracing and all that confusion. And tune in next time when we have another episode of Mix. Bye-bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.